Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, um, where are you going? Where are you going? If you're listening to this show, you have a spiritual bone in your body, and spirituality or metaphysics or pick one is of interest to you. Are you on a spiritual journey? If you're on a spiritual journey, where are you going? What's the what's the end game? What's I don't think there's a finish line in consciousness, but what's the finish line? I like metrics, even if the metrics isn't based on quote reality unquote some quantitative way that we can wrap our minds around something that is intangible. I like the idea of a wall. Do you have a wall in your house? It's just a surface. It's a pretty simple thing. What if the spiritual journey is going from the bottom to the top? It, it provides an easy visual. So if we go up to the top and, and that's the stuff, that's the prize, you, you go up front and win the award. So maybe that's Jesus or Buddha or... And then the flip side of that might be so enthralled in karma and struggle and grief and torment and maybe that's a homeless person panhandling for a few coins at the corner and they're running on fumes they're right down there by the baseboard if if they get a cold tonight they'll pass they'll die so that wall has this nice visual to it i mean i and uh the spiritual journey, it, I mean, we came down into this darkness, into this karmic tsunami, and now our souls want to go back. The journey, the journey back as a, as a planet, I mean, it's really a very powerful time to be alive. So the... If the wall is our metric, our scale, keep in mind that consciousness is logarithmic. In other words, if the homeless person at the bottom has a, a, a extremely low metric and you go up and you give them a hug and, and you look at them in the eye and, and acknowledge them, you've quadrupled their power. And let's, let's just say for grins, that's a quarter of an inch. They were right at the bottom and you give them a hug and they come up just a little bit. But you've quadrupled their their power with a hug and some attention. And then logarithmically, if we go up to the top, 
the last quarter inch is like the salvation of a planet. It's like um, Jesus is Savior. It's like changing the narrative of, of the whole collective. Since it's a logarithmic scale, any motion up, any increment up is a substantial in improvement in your personal power. I'm super stoked for our show tonight. The topic tonight is the emotions of cancer, and our guest tonight is Dr. Michael Carfeld. Carlfeld. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. But emotions of cancer. I've shared many times about the cosmic two by four cracking me open when unexpectedly some magical valve in my persona opened up and an immense amount of energy is flowing out of me. An immense amount of energy is flowing out of my persona. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all. I, I had, I was starting to get ulcers. I had digestive tract problems. And when I release so much energy out of my psyche, the, all of that vanished, quite literally overnight. Where, what constituted that energy that was released out of my psyche? Well, that, in my opinion, that's raw karma. That's just raw karma. And where did the energy of that come from? Well, it came from my consciousness. It was unexpressed emotions from my past that I had compressed, so to speak, into my psyche. And that's why it was it had pressure to it. That's why it wanted to expand and and release itself. Well, just uh just this last week, or perhaps a week two weeks ago. I had another episode and an immense amount of energy left my persona. So if I go back to that wall metaphor, I can see that I load up my psyche and I lower myself on the wall when I don't feel, when I don't experience the emotions that I have before me. A, a great example of this is PTSD. The, the kid down the block that you grew up with, happy, easygoing, just a all-around nice kid, and he goes off to war and he comes back and he's just different. When, when you go into shock, 100% of what you would be feeling gets compressed in your psyche, and and your place on the wall goes down and down and down and down. The return, where are you going? The return, the journey, the spiritual journey is to return ourselves to wholeness. We fragment ourselves when we posture with what's going on in front of us. And then when we release that posturing, we reconstitute ourselves. The, the journey, the spiritual journey is a reconstitution of our fragmented self, so to speak. 
I think we should get to it because I'm I'm really interested to see what Michael has to share with us. Again, the topic tonight is the emotions of cancer, and our guest is Dr. Michael Carl Feld. Michael has been a clinic been in clinical practice since 1987 and runs a busy, multidiscipline, integrative medical center, the Carl Felt Center in Boise, Idaho. He was the host of TV shows, Dr. Michael's Show and True Health, Body, Mind, Spirit, and the radio show Health Made Radio, where he connects with international leaders in the integrative health arena and the internationally recognized podcast, Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt, where he features cancer survivors sharing how they beat cancer in Integrative Lyme Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt, where he features people who have successfully conquered Lyme's disease. Join me in welcoming our guest to the show, Dr. Michael Carlfeld. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to to chat about this topic. I, I yeah, you you mentioned Health Made Radio. I had the had the blessing to interview you uh, many years ago. Yeah, you know, and uh, we had some great discussions then about uh, about exactly the the type of topics that you were. Uh, talking about in the beginning of the show, so I'm I'm excited. Now, not everybody connects cancer and emotions, and since you chose that as the t- title of this show, give us a, give us an idea of how emotions might be connected to cancer. Well, you have a system that's called psychoneuroimmunology, and and that just means the psycho means your your psyche, and neuro means your neuro you know, your neurological system, and immunology that that is your immune system. So, all your emotions uh, will then impact your the type of neurotransmitters that you create, and these neurotransmitters they actually have landing sites on the uh, on the immune system like on the white blood cells so the the white blood cells have these little receptor sites and and these neurotransmitters just like a space shuttle would you know kind of lock into uh, a kind of a a lock to land so to say and these do the same in order to be able to trigger an effect you know within you know whatever they land on whether whatever cell it is but in this case, happens to be then the, the white blood cell. So let's say that you are happy. So then you would then secrete neurotransmitters or hormones that uh, signal that you're happy. And then these would then land onto the white blood cells and telling them that uh, we're happy, you know, which obviously that will engage them and activate them and make them more effective. They wouldn't operate under stress and they would do a, a better job. So uh, you and your mind will then activate then your immune system in order to be better at patrolling what's going on in the system, you know, and to patrol whether we have cancer cells there or viruses or other pathogens, you know, just by being happy. 
And there's been a lot of studies done on this, you know, where you use laughter as a uh, as medicine and seeing the impact on the immune system and how the immune system gets upregulated. So just from that scientific point of view, you know, there are uh, there are then solid evidence to show that your emotions will impact your immune system. Obviously, strong immune system will reduce your likelihood of getting cancer. Um, but you know, later on, we'll go into a little bit more detail as to you know, emotions and organs and, and why they're and, and what I've seen and so forth. But that, that's kind of just to lay the foundation as to how emotions can really physiologically uh, have an impact over and above the spiritual and, uh, uh, and, and there's so many other factors at play as well. Well, if my family of origin was basically where my ego was born, if you think that perhaps the day we're born, we don't really have a ego to speak of. It's We're not offended by words because we don't know what words are. And in our family of origin, our we're really that's that's really the womb of where we learn how to talk and what what to value and uh, i always like the the notion of uh the dinner table when you were a kid at the dinner table what emotions were okay for you to show was was your family happy or laughing or was it much more stoic and and refined that can give us a snapshot of kind of the imprinting on us. A lot of times cancer is tagged as a hereditary thing. Could it be possible that um, since our whole psyche is literally programmed in those early years that it's passed to us through, through the fabrication of our personality and not so much our genes? So the, in regards to the hereditary and in, in regards to being genetic, they, they're actually moving away from thinking that because uh, that's, that's what they've been pounding for uh, a number of decades and they really haven't gotten any kind of solutions or and being able to, to solve the riddle of cancer by going down that, that pathway. But beyond that, I, and I, and, and I want to kind of, tell how I agree with you, uh, and that is uh, looking at the, uh, the imprint on how cells behave, uh, how they control inflammation, and how their immune system function. Uh, it is directly impacted by uh, the, the emotions or kind of the stage that's set when we are young, but also it, it's fascinating because they've done studies where you know, for people that have been in a concentration camp during the Holocaust, and then you look three generations later, and they see these, uh, the um, offspring of the generations later, they are impacted in the same way as if they were in a concentration camp, meaning they feel the same emotions, the anxiety, the depression, fatigue, hopelessness, and all these kind of things, even though they may have a, a great family life, successful uh, they, uh, yeah, they have no reason to feel these feelings, but it, these emotions, these traumas, tend to get imprinted in our, uh, in yeah, in our genetics in a way, 
And by doing that, it will then shift how our, our cells operate and how we're programmed, how we fold proteins, how we, uh, how we produce neurotransmitters, you know, how many receptor sites that we have of certain neurotransmitters. So all of that will be impacted. And so with cancer and that emotional uh, connection with it, I feel rather than just it being like I have this BRCA gene or I have this kind of gene that is a cancer gene, I think it is more kind of a functional uh, configuration that is created based upon the emotions uh, that are that are kind of coming from prior generation. And that becomes our foundation that we have. So if we grow up in family that, that are emotionally having a tough time, a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger, you know, our body is going to be geared for survival to be able to handle that. And so it's going to be in a place where it thinks that the world is a threat uh, and I need to protect myself. I've got to shield myself. And that puts our body in a disadvantage when it comes to you know, more effectively deal with things like, like cancer. So it, it becomes really important, like you are saying, you know, that generational imprint, the generational uh, you know, energy that, that we carry with us and, and how that affects how our system works. And that's why it's so important then to do an inventory as to not only your own life, but look at what has transpired in prior generations and seeing how that affects you and, and your ability to be a healthy uh, individual that is, feel at peace and being connected uh, socially, relationships, spiritually, and, and all those ways. So all those things are, are really important to look at when you deal with something uh, as chronic and as, as serious as cancer. While you were talking, uh, uh, I remember uh, an example that might reflect what you're talking about. Uh, during the I'm dating myself here. During the first Gulf War, um, Saddam Hussein would lob rockets into Israel, and and the men of Israel had taken a vow to say never again. Never will we be passive. Never again will we be passive while someone is attacking us. And during the first Gulf War, they were asked to do just that. Saddam was lobbing Scud missiles at him, and they were told not to retaliate. And I believe the, the rate of prostate cancer increased substantially in the men um, following that episode. And, and that... To me, it, it kind of maps that that emotional connection. Do you do you? Uh, I mean, if you're talking about the cellular mechanics, or or rather how emotions influence the cellular mechanics, is is it to the point where you can um, look through a microscope or whatever mechanism you have? And just by watching how the, the, the cellular activity happens, you could uh, estimate the emotional um, cause? So, so I, I haven't done that. And, uh, but there are, 
it, in a way you, you can look at, so we have, I have something that's called the dark field microscope and that we will look at. And also we do a dry sampling of it where we see the tissue integrity and inflammation patterns and all these types of things. But in the dark field microscope, you can then look at the cells and you can look at their behavior and you can also look at um, yeah how, how they interact with everything and how active they are and so by doing so you can then see if if they are round and healthy and happy and or if they're all kind of gunked up together and, and clingy and and or their yeah, edges of the cell wall membrane very jaggedy you can see if there's a lot of pathogens there so you can look at the environment you know, on on kind of on a cellular level, and I mean, you don't look inside the cell, but you see how the red blood cells are behaving, and uh, and that I mean, a person that is more coherent and happier, you know, then the cells that's going to translate into those cells, and the the blood picture is going to look better for an individual that is happier. Well, very nice. Well, what has come out of this? I mean, as a, as a doctor, like you're just talking about um, um, being happy, does it change how you approach the the path to healing for your patients? What has changed from what you've learned from this? Well, so when we look upon cancer, I mean, we mostly think about it as a, uh, an isolated tissue that is operating and, and it's just kind of doing its own thing. Uh, and, and that is exactly what I, what I look at them at the individual as well, meaning that you have then a tissue that has lost its identity, has lost its ability to be coherent with its environment and, and to work in, in a symbiotic relationship with the rest of the environment. So you have then a tissue that is due to it being under stress and due to not feeling protected by its environment, it is choosing then to uh, run by a different type of programming. So in, in a normal cell, we produce energy you know, through our mitochondria, which is the, the energy-producing factory. And, uh, but in the cancer cell, it chooses to produce energy in a different way. And the reason for that is that, you know, one, the energy production becomes a little dysfunctional. You know, maybe there's not enough oxygen uh, to uh, support the energy production. So it's looking towards, you know, finding other ways to just survive because it feels like the way it's been operating, it's not surviving appropriately. And so it shifts towards a fermentation cycle instead where it then ferments sugar in order to be able to produce energy. And what we are finding is that that is a, a more of a ancient way for the cells to operate. So it's, it's like it's going back in time uh, to run a different program that existed prior to the mitochondria existing within the cell. Because the mitochondria is a is actually bacteria that get incorporated into the cells, and because of uh, the cells being able to function more efficiently, then 
uh, it became a symbiotic relationship between the mitochondria and also the rest of the cell. But uh, when the cell then feels like it's, it's not connected, it's losing its identity, and, and, and that connects with how an individual in themselves feel, if they don't feel connected, if they feel like they're losing their identity, if they feel that they're not on purpose, you know, then that energy will then translate onto a cellular level, which will then shift the way that the cells operate, and they will go back to more of a primitive type of functioning, more of a survival type of programming, rather than more of an involved, evolved uh, way of functioning, and uh, and will then uh, become kind of separate itself and create its own little community, which then becomes the cancer, which becomes the tumor. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of how I have evolved into seeing uh, cancer, that it is more of an emotional, spiritual disconnect, uh, and then that gets translated into a physical form that then translates into cancer. Wow. So the psychological demeanor of the person as a persona, as a personality, if they get disconnected from a sense of community it, um, in, in a general way, that reflects down to the cellular level, which creates an environment that can promote the introduction of cancer. Well, 2020 isolated millions of people. And um, there's really not a new normal yet. And the, the white picket fence of go to school, get a job, retire is kind of shattered too. Would you see, would you expect an uptick of cancer in the collective as a result of that? Hugely, yeah. And, and I see it. I already see it. And it's going, uh, I mean, right now we're, we're moving towards that one out of two is uh, going to be diagnosed with cancer and one out of four will die from cancer. Uh, I'm, I'm suspecting, you know, within, you know, within probably 2030 that we are uh, going to even be beyond that, that maybe like 60% of us at some point are going to be diagnosed with cancer, if, if not more. And I, and I think it's exactly that, you know, from, the acceleration caused by the uh, kind of disconnect and the fear that people are uh, existing. I mean, they, they don't feel like they can trust their environment. Uh, they don't, they feel like community is a threat uh, because uh, even though maybe now we, you know, think that we're going back to normal, but we still have those tapes playing you know, inside of us, which we haven't fully resolved, you know, the impact on a, on a collective level. So uh, these tapes are still going to impact us on a cellular level and, and drive us more uh, towards that direction where uh, cells are not going to feel connected and, and start to produce, you know, tumor and produce cancer. So I, I absolutely agree with you. And I, and I think also, uh, yeah, so you, you have the the fear and, and the disconnect and the lack of community and, and you have kind of children that doesn't want parents to come because they haven't been vaccinated. You have, you know, whether a person been vaccinated, not vaccinated, whether, you know, you have the racial disconnect, you have the 
political disconnects. You have all these divisions that are continually being uh, imposed upon us you know, through media. And, and that is creating the, the same kind of energy where you create a disconnect within yourself, within the family, within the community. And, and to me, the most important thing is to kind of bring harmony into your, your space and into uh, your family structure and social structure and, and feel connected and, and really put forth effort to balance out the collective energy that, that uh, has been put forth these last few years. Yeah, because those are huge numbers you're talking about. As you forecast your expectation, those are huge numbers. And, it, and it's not even um, – it it's fear alone and isolation alone, incidental of what caused that. I mean, the, the fear – could have been instilled by one of a plethora of reasons. So the reason for the fear is not the the only reason that could have caused the same outcome. In other words, how we handled um, that stretch of time by bringing fear to the equation, we have this uh, not so directly related consequence that is um, reflected into people's bodies that show up as cancer. So the t- to reconnect the community, to reconnect the the individual with a sense of community, would be a, a powerful narrative to change the the dynamic. How many cultures have a sense of community already built in where there's a town square or there's a weekly gathering or um, perhaps a local church? Um, I'm just thinking of, of what mechanisms could we talk about that could uh, alleviate some of this momentum? Yeah, and and I think the and, and what was sad is during this 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 time, you know, because churches have been in the past a a sense of community where people gather, and you know, even even the churches, you know, I would say pretty much all of them closed uh, during this time. So then you have the, uh, the the patrons of that church, you know, the people going there, uh, they will then not feel uh, that it's that that is going to continue to be a place of, of safety or a place that they are always going to be able to go to but they're going to feel like when there's a crisis you know uh, this this location may not be there so it's 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 almost like they've been abandoned you know in a way even though you know more on the subconscious level probably than than a conscious level but then I, I think then the more that the, the uh, kind of the first world countries are at a disadvantage because they are so disconnected as it is anyway, and looking more towards the you know, down south, South America, you know, Latin America, you know, they have more of that sense of community, sense of family, you know, that will always be there, you know, no matter what. So I, I think that 
those type of communities will do better and will fare better uh, than individuals like here in America where, you know, our, our connection is through, you know, social media and we uh, don't have as much family gatherings. And uh, so I, I, I think reverting back more to a community base and, and really putting forth an effort in establishing that I think it's, it's important for, for everyone, and I think that that is important when you're dealing with something uh, as, as severe as cancer, you know, to be able to, to kind of shift that tide in a way. Right. Now, you mentioned going back to the mechanics of the, of the, the cell and the mechanics of how cancer operates. You mentioned that a cancerous cell had a different um, source of energy or a different energy dynamic if if the energy of the body is derived from um, perhaps what we eat or social influence if we were just to look at food if the cancer is running on one type of energy and the rest of our whole body is running on another. Are there foods to avoid that, that um, provide the energy to the cancer? Yeah, there, there, there absolutely are. And, and that is a, a really important component. And that's when I have cancer patients coming here. I mean, that, that's one of the things that I specialize in. Uh, is integrative oncology. So I have patients flying in here from from all over the states and from out of the country. And diet is is, is huge because every every bite that you take, you know, food is is like our our biggest drug, and that drug can either help us or harm us. And we we choose, you know, what what it's going to do. So in regards to cancer, we can either feed it or we can starve it, you know, depending on, on the choices that we make. And, uh, and just because cancer is so inefficient in how it produces energy, it needs a lot of food. And it thrives, you know, like I mentioned, uh, it, it shifts the way it produces energy, so it then uh, ferments sugar in order to be able to produce energy. And so if we keep feeding it sugar, then it, it is happy, and we will continually feed it, and it will continually promote its own existence. Uh, during this fermentation cycle, you know, it's called the Warburg effect, uh, where uh, that they found that the metabolic process of a cancer tends to to shift more towards that fermentation. Then there are chemicals then that are produced as a byproduct from it producing these uh, this energy. Uh, that will then promote metastases and will also uh, work on converting then the cells around the cancer cells, so that the, what's called the tumor microenvironment, so that the healthy cells around uh, are then converted into a cancer. So it's kind of like saying, hey, buddy, you know, you, you, you got to join the gang. So it's almost like I look upon it almost like a, a like in a, Area where you have lots of lots of gangs, you know, like like East LA or you know an area like that where you know the the good kids get you know they have that pressure by some of the other kids and and they join the gang just to feel like they belong. So so these chemicals that are secreted you know, support that whole process, 
And so if we eat sugar, we are then continually uh, feeding them the cancer and then we're feeding the production of these chemicals that are then producing more cancer around itself. So in order to be able to then stop that process, we need to then eat food that obviously do not do that. And, and it depends a little bit from cancer to cancer. So there, there's some cancers that do better with like a plant-based type of diet. Uh, and there are other cancers that do better with like a ketogenic type of diet. And so they've, they've seen with the ketogenic, uh, especially things like glioblastoma and, and there are a number, number of different cancers that, and that do well on that. And it's because the cancer has a hard time then to use ketones, you know, which is what is produced when you're on a ketogenic diet. Uh, so the normal cells can use ketones to produce energy, but the cancer cells don't have that flexibility so they are then starving as the regular cells are able then to gain energy. Uh, so those, those are some dietary strategies that, that you can utilize when, when battling cancer. Wow, that's fascinating. So I, I wish there was a metric that spanned hundreds of years so we could look at um, the rate of cancer based on the introduction of sugar or refined sugar to see if if uh, the percentage of cancer in the collective increased in proportion to the sugar. Well, what about um, like stress? Because the the curious thing about stress is it it, it can impact every cell in your body. The uh, stress is such a common thing these days with um, normal flying out the window and people uncertain of what the next chapter is going to be. Does stress play a role in this? Yeah, so it, it's, it's going exactly back to you know, our, our discussion prior to that you know, stress will then secrete chemicals that puts you in that fight or flight mode. Uh, which will then uh, put the immune system at a, it's, it's at a high alert, but it's, it's kind of like when you're, you know that there's something that's going to happen, but you don't know what it is. So now you're operating out of, you almost get like a tunnel vision and you're not able to intelligently be able to monitor your environment appropriately uh, to see that, well, it's better if I deal with this one and then I uh, shut down the inflammation over here I turn on inflammation over there, you know, to kill things off, and here I need to regenerate. So it's, it's like the immune system loses its intelligence, you know, when it is then operating in that survival mode uh, rather than in a mode that, where we can use then more of a cognitive, uh, a cognitive way uh, to be able to analyze our environment. So the immune system then it, it does the same thing, you know, how, how we're feeling if we're not able, we just feel overwhelmed, you know, too much going on, we can't handle it, uh, the, the immune system will then uh, get the neurotransmitters that will tell it to function in a similar way. So stress is huge, fear is huge, loneliness is huge, anger is huge. You know, all these different emotions, they will then uh, have an impact on the body to make certain areas of the body weaker 
than others and will make those organs and those areas have a stronger tendency to uh, where uh, these type of abnormal cells can be produced because they are not nourished appropriately uh, because they're holding that, that energy of that emotion. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really fascinating to see then the, uh, the, how different specific emotions, specific traumas, um, they tend to then gravitate to specific organs, and then that is where you are more likely than to, uh, to develop cancer. You know, so it's like breast, for instance, a very nurturing organ, you know, and, and so if you don't feel nurtured or you have a disconnect with somebody you know, like your daughter or you know, and a relationship like that, then you are then more prone to develop cancer you know, in, in that area. Like, and we've, they've seen like, you know, right side tends to be more connected to you know, what's going on with, with male connections than left side with female connections. So if it is with your daughter or mother, then you uh, tend to have maybe for a female, it would be then breast on the left side or breast cancer on the left side, if it's, you know, related to a, a son or husband or father or something like that, it might be more, you know, on the right side, right breast. Uh, and, you know, same with ovary and same with, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's really fascinating to see how different emotions uh, impact different areas in the body and the importance then of working and resolving those emotions, resolving those traumas, in order to be able to be effective in, in addressing that, that tumor or that cancer, because otherwise we can work on it physically with nutrition or if you do traditional therapy, you know, chemo, radiation, surgery, or whatever it is that you do. But if you don't resolve that underlying uh, emotional trauma, it will still right. be a gravity point that will then draw the energy of cancer towards itself. Wow, fascinating. Well, now we have about 10 minutes left, and in the introduction, um, the, uh, it talks about Lyme disease. Can you, can you shed some light on that for us, too? Yes, yes. So Lyme disease, it, it's another chronic disease, uh, that, uh, a complex disease that people are really having a tough time uh, finding solutions for, and, and that's why I want to make sure that I uh, that bring forth solution for those type type of uh, diseases because there's a lot of frustrated people in in you know that deal with that. So Lyme disease is a uh, it's a it's a disease that uh, caused by a spirochete called Borrelia, uh, but it frequently comes along with a a slew of other infectious agents and slew of other stressors, along with also emotional traumas uh, that also helps to kind of put you more at risk for uh, these spirochetes to really act out and cause, uh, cause a, a number of different symptoms. And frequently when you deal with a, a complex disorder uh, like MS or you may be dealing with uh, severe pain syndromes and, and your neurological issues, uh, brain, you, you can't remember things. You, I have you know, people that have lived in the same little town for 30-some years, and all of a sudden they can't 
figure out how to get home from the gas station that they've been to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. And they don't have the, you know, some of them don't even remember the name of their children and other people, you know, been in bed, you know, can't get out of bed uh, for like years, you know, just barely able to make it to the bathroom. And uh, so there, it, it's, it's a really severe and debilitating disease. And, and it's, it's, Yes, and, and it reads, it needs to there. And that's why I want to do that podcast is to, for people to find hope and to listen to people who have gone through the journey and know that when they're in the middle of that despair, that there are ways to get through it and, and that there are tools, you know, that, that's available. So, um, yeah, that's, that's why cancer and Lyme disease are, are things that I, I really am passionate about. So as a listener to the show, what would you say um, as far as Lyme disease, what are some components of that that might not be obvious? I mean, um, a lot of times when when people do their own research, they they discover aspects of it that might not be mainstream. They might not hear it from their quote regular doctor unquote. What are what are some of the attributes that you see in Lyme disease as it relates to um, elements that they can um, change in their life and and how to how to approach healing themselves from Lyme disease? Well, the the biggest frustration that people have in regards to Lyme disease is is initially the diagnosis. So if you are an individual that have uh, symptoms that come uh, and then disappear and then other symptoms that come and you maybe have, you've gone from doctor to doctor, uh, the doctors are not, they throwing labels at you uh, just because uh, they try to throw something that's sick, but it doesn't really fit. And uh, uh, you know, many of these people have been dealing with Lyme disease for like 20 years until they finally got diagnosed with it. Uh, and they've had probably, you know, 30-some different type of diagnosis, you know, like lupus or MS or Hashimoto's or arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis or uh, IBS or Crohn's or colitis or, you know, and, and the list just goes on and on and on. So if, if you are one of those individuals, then uh, consider Lyme disease very heavily. And if you would go then to your medical doctor, they would not be very knowledgeable in this area. So the only thing they would do is the a generic, what's called a Western blot test, that is a falsely negative, uh, I would say, pretty close to 90 plus percent of the time. Uh, so just because they, they run that test and say, oh, you don't have Lyme, doesn't mean that you do not have Lyme. Uh, there are better tests out there uh, that are more accurate, and also sometimes you need to do the test a number of times until you find a, a positive test. And uh, one positive test is enough. I mean, because if you have a positive test, which is very hard to get, uh, then that is enough. Uh, if you then have Lyme, then there's, there's a lot of things to consider uh, in order to be able to address it. And so you then need to consider your ability to detoxify, 
uh, you need to consider then what your where your endocrine system is, your your energy system, and how to uh, be able to uh, kind of repair your body. And then you need to consider then the different pathogens that you're dealing with, you know, what kind of co-infections, and then there are natural agents that you can can team up with that. Uh, you also need to consider what what kind of traumas you were dealing with, probably around the time that you start to become symptomatic. And you need to look at those and address those. Uh, you need to look at what your nutritional deficiencies are so that your body is nutritionally fortified to be able to repair in order to be able to, uh, to deal with you know, these, uh, these pathogens. You also need to consider then your electromagnetic environment. You know, are, you, do you, are you dealing with a lot of EMF around you? Are you close by a 5G tower? Are you on your cell phone all the time? Uh, are you sleeping according to the circadian rhythm? Are you exposed to a lot of blue light before you go to bed? So there's a lot of these different things and to start looking at, and they all add up so that the immune system can be able to recover from something as, as severe as, as Lyme. Now, does uh, mental and emotional disposition uh, play into this as well? So to to bump up your your livelihood, your happiness, your interaction, um, physical activity, would those uh, reflect in a positive way towards Lyme disease? Yeah, so uh, there are a number of people that uh, even like like I had one one gal that I interviewed, and uh, she decided to learn martial arts, you know, as she was dealing with Lyme. And, and that was, she was able to kind of rest for the whole week, do the martial arts, and, and then she had to rest for another week. I mean, literally, she was in bed for the rest of the week. But uh, it, her drive to do that kept kind of pushing her body to be able to do more and do more. So that's, that's kind of a story with a physical activity. And then the show that actually aired today and also I think that the last show um, on the integrative Lyme solution, Dr. Carlfeld, talk about there's two individuals that uh, feel that their secret sauce in, in how to get over Lyme uh, was their gr- gratitude. And obviously when you're in pain, you can't remember your name, uh, you're uh, dealing with all these, these neurological symptoms, headaches and, and so forth. Uh, it is hard then to feel gratitude because you think that this, this life sucks. You know, I, I want it back to the way it was. But what they did is that everything that they could do to be grateful for, uh, they expressed gratitude to. So she, um, the, the one that's airing uh, today, you know, that interview, you know, every step she she's, you know, said, I'm grateful for this step. You know, I'm grateful for this, for this carpet underneath, you know, I'm grateful for uh, that my foot is moving. I'm grateful for so so she just trained herself in expressing gratitude for every little thing, and what that did is that you know like attracts like. So if you're grateful for certain things, that enables the body, enables you, and kind of sets your mindset, and your ner- nervous system, and your immune system up for more of that. Yeah, because you're expressing gratitude and showing the universe that this this is what I want, and so it it then 
kind of brings that energy and, and they were getting better and better just, I mean, seeing that just the gratitude was, was like one of their biggest components in their, in their healing journey. Very nice. Now, I know you've got a regenerative medicine summit coming up early next year. Tell our audience about that summit and what kind of topics will be covered. That, that is going to be fantastic. I mean, we, we have leaders uh, in the world, you know, there are different topics discussing uh, different areas of regeneration, like we have Dr. Frank Schallenberger talking about ozone and, and its impact on, on the mitochondria and uh, how that uh, for anti-aging. We have uh, Dr. Michael Weber you know, talking about light and, and photodynamic therapy and, and how that helps to turn on the mitochondria and, and, and also you know, fight off cancer. We have... Um, Nathan Crane, you know, talking about uh, the uh, importance of, of sleeping, the circadian rhythm, and how that impacts our immune system. We have uh, Nathan Bryan talking about uh, nitric oxide and, and how that uh, helps in, uh, for anti-aging and, and our telomeres. Uh, we have uh, Karen Carter talking about feng shui and and how we can set up our environment you know, to, uh, for regeneration of our own, own body and our own health. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's 50 plus doctors and experts like that uh, that, are, uh, that is going to be giving their, their secrets and that uh, it's, it's gonna be amazing. I mean, I, I've loved, you know, so I've, I've already kind of pre-interviewed these individuals and, and I've learned so much from, from all these individuals. It's, it's just amazing. And, and it's going to, to air. Uh, so it, it's going to launch then in, uh, on uh, January 10th. Uh, so you know, make sure you go and take a look at uh, uh, and, and I, you, you should get on to my email address. I mean, on my email list and you'll, you'll get all the information about it and you can just go on to, uh, uh, thecarfoldcenter.com, and you can look under resources, and we have a number of, of e-books there. Uh, one one e-book is about a viral protocol, you know, what to do when you're battling virus. We have another e-book that talks about uh, 11 factors to dress when battling cancer. It's a fantastic e-book. Uh, another e-book in regards to uh, um, actually it was dealing with the pandemic and uh, and having experts like Dr. Judy Mikovits and uh, 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 Knut Witkowski and James Lineweiler, you know, uh, and so you'll you'll get the download, you know, from uh, that ebook. So if you go onto resources, you can load the ebook. You get on our web uh, on our email uh, list, and then you you'll get all the information about this regenerative medicine summit. And uh, yeah, you're 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 gonna love it. It's gonna be great. Now, just to reiterate, this summit is online and it's free from January 10th to January 17th, 2023. And do you want to uh, share the URL for that again? 
Yes, so they can go on regenerative.drtalks.com. And so you, you don't have a chance to sign up quite yet, but you uh, it will be probably in, in a, I think in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to sign up you know, for the summit. So, but it's regenerative.dr, like in doctor, and then talks, like we're, we're talking, drtalks.com. And, uh, and there you can get a look at all the different uh, speakers that, that are going to be speaking. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible lineup. And yeah, you, you, the amount of information that you're going to learn is going to be tremendous. Nice. Now, you, uh, you, the listener, can get all these URLs on the show page, which can be found at blogtalkradio.com slash newhumanliving. Now, we've got just a few minutes left. I'd lo- I want to focus on your practice. You're located in Boise, Idaho. Tell us about your practice, the types of patients you work with, and how they can connect with you. Yeah, so we, I'm, I'm a naturopathic doctor, uh, which means that we use natural means to support the body's own healing process. Uh, and then we're looking for root causes rather than trying to uh, just patch up uh, symptom-wise. You know, a lot of the pharmaceuticals, uh, they are just there for symptom management, which is not really how we want to resolve uh, health issues. We want to kind of find what, what is the underlying factor and we want to address that. And that is what, what naturopathy does. It looks for those things. Uh, and I've been doing this for uh, since 1987. So it, it's been many, many years. So it's been hundreds of thousands of patient interactions. Uh, and I see patients from all walks of life. There are certain things that I specialize in that uh, really make me stick out. And that is then the integrative oncology uh, that we talked about. And one of the uh, unique therapies that I use is called photodynamic therapy. And that is utilizing then a photosensitizer uh, that is introduced intravenously or uh, into the tumor site. And uh, it collects them in cancer cells you know, because of the type of vascularity that the, uh, the blood, the cancers, uh, the tumors has. So it collects there, and then we blast that then with uh, intravenous laser light or external laser light. You know, so these photosensitizers will pull that light more strongly into the cancer cell, uh, which will then trigger oxidation of these cancer cells. So that is one of the unique therapies that we do, and then we layer it with other therapies like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, curcumin IVs, poly-MBA, DCA IVs, high-dose vitamin C IVs with diet, working on the emotions, detox strategies, um, and uh, diet, yeah, so, and diet like we, we talked about as well. So it, it becomes these, all these factors are layered together in order to be able to then address the dysfunction that has come about uh, that translated into cancer. So so that, that's kind of the unique therapies. But then we do the regenerative medicine. We do stem cells. We do you know, uh, ozone IVs, you know, work on the Lyme. And you know, so we, we do a, a huge amount of things. So, so just invite people to go to the website. There's a huge amount of resources that we have there. 
Well, very nice. Well, time flies when we're having fun. I want to thank you for being on our guest tonight. I've really enjoyed this episode. It's been really fun. I, I really appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much, Les. We've been talking with Dr. Michael Carlfeld, and that's spelled K-A-R-L-F-E-L-D-T, if you want to Google him, Dr. Michael Carlfeld. And the topic tonight has been the emotions of cancer. You know, there was a pretty clear underlying theme about our our attitude, our gratitude, our emotions, our feelings. Um, our cells seems, seems to mirror what our consciousness holds on to. And so just a change of mind, just a change of attitude can be an easy way to start. That's something you can do right now. What a fun episode. I I really enjoyed that. Um, I encourage you to go to newhumanliving.com. I created that quite a while ago, well over a decade ago. And uh, the reason I'm on the planet is to put a Western language to the power of love. (laughs) Who'd have thunk? And working with TV transmitters to figure that out. Life is a curious thing. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.